is White Sox Weekly, your two-hour all-access pass to everything White Sox. Drive in the air! Deep to right! It is gone! This is a presentation of the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Connor is in Cincinnati for tonight's Game 2 between the White Sox and Cincinnati Reds. I'm Jesse Rogers. Second week in a row sitting in for Connor as he has play-by-play duties. He'll be along a couple hours from now for the Reds and the White Sox from Great American Ballpark. Darren Jackson alongside him. But I'm with you for the next couple hours. It's our weekly White Sox show right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Radio Network. Again, Jesse Rogers with you. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. I love doing this show. I like it better when the White Sox have a good week like they just had compared to me hosting this show a week ago. But the main reason I like doing this show is we have a little bit more room to discuss the White Sox and baseball in general than a quick pregame and postgame show, which I will be hosting later on as well. So, Two hours to talk some White Sox baseball, Major League Baseball with you right here on ESPN 1000. I'm in Chicago. Uh, Connor McKnight, Darren Jackson in Cincinnati. They'll be along in just a little bit. 312-332-3776, the number. If you're too lazy to pick up the phone, you can uh, tweet me at Jesse Rogers ESPN. When you host a solo show, you like to talk to people. You don't want to just talk to yourself. But feel free to tweet if you can't call at Jesse Rogers ESPN. And we're going to talk about a lot of things here. From the Wander Franco flip the ball to himself and throw to first, to everything that's gone on with the White Sox over the last week. A much better week of baseball than we saw the previous one. Uh, they get off the schneid, if that's what you want to call it, after a 10-game losing streak in a dramatic way last Sunday with that incredible ninth inning comeback. They followed up with a couple wins against the Twins. They win last night. And in between, they lose that extra inning game on Thursday or else it would have been a five-game win streak after that 10-game losing streak. And I think it was the baseball gods reminding everybody, it's not going to be that easy. We're not going to let you go lose 10 and then win 7, 8, or 10 in a row. We're still going to make it hard on you to climb out of this hole that you've created for yourself. So, yes, they win four or five. Could have easily been five in a row so many chances in extra innings in the ninth inning on Thursday against the twins but they dropped that one come back with a real nice win yesterday 5-4 in game one of the series against the Reds Luis Robert huge in that game and boy do they do they need this guy to show up frankly more often than he has I've been critical of Luis Robert um, at the beginning of this season so far obviously that first week he had was great but then there was a huge lull um, the, the jog to first base that got him pulled, but he hits a huge go-ahead home run in the sixth, and then he starts a, a double play in the ninth, catching the ball in center field and firing a strike to double off a runner at first base. Really closed out that game last night. He did not miss that fastball in the sixth inning. He put it out to right center field. Great job by him and great job by Elvis Andrews one inning earlier to tie the game with a three-run shot. That old guy still has some moves in his game, huh? So uh, uh, that was the offense. Elvis Andrews, three-run shot. Luis Robert with the two-run shot. And the White Sox came away with a game-one victory. If they win one of the next two, they'll have, win, they'll have won their second series in a row and second series of the season. So maybe, maybe things are turning a little bit. But the question I have for you right off the bat is, 
Can they get back in it or is all lost? Is all lost this early in May or can they get back in it? History would say it's really difficult for a team that's dug this kind of a hole even this early in the season to make the playoffs. It just doesn't happen often. I can give you the teams that have done it. It's a short list. However, we are in a different era with an extra wild card team as of last season and in a division which has perennially been not so good or annually been not so good, right? The AL Central isn't a, a division that you need 100 wins to, to take it, right? It's closer to 90. Now, even for the Sox to get to 90 is difficult, but at least there's a chance. At least there's a chance, whereas in, if the Sox resided in another division, maybe not so much. They're 11 and 22 right now, eight games out of first. Minnesota and Cleveland are p- playing each other, so there's a chance to gain on both those teams, or one or the other team each day if the Sox keep winning over the Reds this weekend. There are three teams ahead of them. Detroit's playing really good baseball right now at 14 and 17. The Twins are the only team over 500 in the division at 19 and 14. Detroit 14, 17, Cleveland 14 and 18, the White Sox 11 and 22. It's not a pretty division. It's not a pretty division, but who cares? It's a winnable one. That's all we care about. Can they get back in it? Has the last week given you any hope at all? It's not shocking that after a 10-game losing streak, they'd go on a little bit of a run the other way, right? This is not a rebuilding team with no talent. Baseball is, is a weird sport. It's a sport of runs. And most of the time, after a long win streak, you, you give it back a little bit. And after a, a long losing streak, you, you gain some of it back. So I'm not, I'm not surprised by this week at all. Not surprised by it. Can it continue enough to really get them back in the race? What do you think? 312-332-3776. And here's a question. If they can get back in it, what's the X factor to you? What's the X factor to you? Who is the X factor? Is there a player? Is there a part of their game that is kind of the thing that it'll all hinge on? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cross off one X factor right off the bat so, so you can't use it. And that's health. That's health. If there's anyone in this entire city in the media that has told you over and over again what this team does with Tim Anderson in the starting lineup as opposed to without him, I think I'm the only one that talks about it because it, it really one player shouldn't affect your record that much, but it is striking how different this team is with them and without them. And you don't need the numbers to tell you just watch them. They just don't have that energy. They don't have the defense. They don't have the offense when he's out. Now it's, a lot of that makes sense because he's the starting shortstop and leadoff man. So take that out of the mix and you've got some problems. So health, especially Tim Anderson's health to me, is the X factor. But it really has been for this team for for two or three years, right? But I'm going to be very specific about it and say, as long as Tim Anderson is in the lineup, this team has a chance. They are 152 and 112, 40 games over 500 when he's in the lineup since the beginning of 2020. That's incredible when you consider all the ups and downs this team has had over the last couple of years. But part of that reason is because he's been out of the lineup. Keep him healthy. And the Sox will always have a chance, in my opinion, even above Eloy, Luis, or Yohan Mankata. What's your X factor? Can they get back in it? Or is Rick Hahn already thinking about that trade deadline in your mind? I'm sure he's not thinking about it. He's thinking about getting back in it. Because you know how it works. If you're out of the race, come July, free agents-to-be are going to be traded. That's just how it works. That's how you maximize a losing season. But we're not there yet. We're not there yet. 
Every single team in baseball is going to have its ups and downs. The White Sox had a down very early in the season. Very early in the season. So if they're only having one all season, all right, they got past it. It's over. But the fact that it happened so early still means there's plenty of time to have another bad one. But everybody's going to have a bad one. It's just a matter of how many bad ones are you going to have. And hopefully that was it for the White Sox. That was it. 312-332-3776, the number. All right, let me set up the rest of the show here. Um, Chuck Garfine, pre- and post-game host on NBC Sports Chicago, is going to join me in about seven minutes. Chuck knows the White Sox in and out, sits next to Ozzie Guillen, Frank Thomas. We'll talk about the show on TV. We'll talk about tonight's game. We'll talk about the start of the season. Chuck is as good as it gets at his gig. We will also hopefully talk to Billy Hamilton at about oh, 3.30-ish, so about 20 minutes from now, right after Chuck. Um, we hope to get Billy live on the line from Cincinnati. I mean, this guy's been thrown right into the mix. Fortunately, he's a veteran. He's been there. He's done that. He knows what he's doing. But he gets called up early in the week, and he is just seems to be in every important situation. And when you consider the new rules, that's not surprising. He's probably going to be in a lot of important moments, especially in close games, whether it be defensively late, because this team does need some help defensively, and certainly on the base pass late in the game. He's already been inserted as a pinch runner a couple times. Extra innings, we've seen him start on second base because he made the last out the previous inning or as a pinch runner. So Billy Hamilton could have a bigger role than you would think because the new rules allow for for more stolen base attempts and and, and more successful stolen bases. Let's not bury the lead to this whole week, though. Yes, the White Sox played good baseball, but they're going to get an emotional lift and a baseball bullpen lift, I guess you could say, when Liam Hendricks returns to the mound. He did it last night in a AAA game, his first rehab outing. Nice clean inning by, by Hendricks, was solid. Got a nice ovation by the crowd, both teams. Pretty emotional moment in a rehab start. Just think what's going to happen when he takes the mound for the White Sox. Now, he still has three or four outings to do for AAA. Probably a back-to-back in there, right? But I'm just going to take a guess. I'm going to take a guess. I have no inside information on this. I'm pegging possibly the beginning of that homestand May 12th against the Astros for Liam's return, if not the 16th against the Guardians, Tuesday the 16th. Maybe he finishes his rehab like that uh, like that Thursday or Friday, the 11th or 12th, gets a couple days off, the White Sox are off the 15th, and he's back in uniform the 16th. I think the 16th is the latest. Maybe earlier, depending on how, you know how he is. He'll run through a wall and say he's ready. So they've got to slow him down a little bit and make sure he's really ready to go. But how about that outing last night? Gets in the game, pitches a clean inning. The fans give him applause. In fact, <laughs> the idea that both teams were cheering him kind of took some of his mojo away. Here's, here's Liam Hendricks after his first rehab stint recovering from cancer. He takes the mound, one inning for AAA Charlotte. First game out, it was nice being in the bullpen, kind of getting that camaraderie going. Uh, it was great being in that kind of realm, but – a little wet out here tonight, so um, that was always an interesting one, running in. But then got through my warm-up pitches, and then they, they made it a, a PA announcement, and both teams kind of got out and started clapping, which is 
which is don't get me wrong, it's really, really nice, and I very much appreciate it. Maybe very emotional, but I'm a guy who pitches on anger, and it's really hard to get angry when you know that the other team's full of nice people that would do something like that. So that was that was a little tough to get locked in, and then uh, being wet, I slipped on the first pitch, and uh, then had to kind of finagle my mechanics a little bit just to make sure that I was getting it getting it down there all right. But hey, a clean inning is a clean inning with a scoreless and a strikeout, so that's always good. Awesome to hear from Liam Hendricks. Awesome to see him on the mound. He did a Zoom with reporters after the game. Of course, he held that long press conference at Guaranteed Rate Field the other day with his um, teammates lined up in the back of the room. I was there. Um, just so cool to see him. I mean, it looks like the same Liam Hendricks. You wouldn't know that he, what he went through. But boy, did he go through an ordeal beating um, lymphoma and, and uh, everything that goes along with it to get back on the mound this quickly. Remember, he announced his diagnosis on January 9th publicly. Uh, although he was diagnosed back in December and actually felt symptoms last June and July. He thinks he may have pitched through some of this stuff last season. And he didn't have the you know, best second half. His ERA was one run higher last year So in the second half than the first half. So I, he was dealing with something. And now he's back on the mound. We will play a good chunk of Liam Hendricks from that press conference in case you missed it. We all need feel-good stories. And Liam's return is certainly a feel-good. Stay out of the elements this season. Located on the 200 level behind home plate, the Guaranteed Rate Club offers all-inclusive food and beverage, in-seat service, and complimentary parking. Plans start at 20 games. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash GRC or call or text 312-674-1000. Let's slide a call in a great White Sox fan before we take a break and get Chuck Garfine online. It's Ron on the south side. What's happening, Ron? Man, I've been listening to you, <laughs> for, and you know it for so long time. many years. Long, long time. Real, real quick, Jesse. But uh, yeah, I think they can get back into it when you look at at the division. But here's my question: Got to get Dylan Cease um, back on, on on track. But when this, the quote unquote, you know, the rebuild start, the main person was Yohan uh, Mankata. I, 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 um, Luis Roberts is kind of coming around. We know what Tim Anderson, some other guy, but it's that's still the the, the player. But then now he here's my other question: though, just when he if hopefully he comes back, and then hopefully because you you need Jake Burgos back in there. So what would you do with Jake Burgos? How how does he fit in? But uh, yeah, I, I I I think the team is uh, good. I've got to play a little better defense and. Uh, you know, Hendrick looks good last night. It's still going to start with the the the, the pitching, but uh, hopefully they can get back in it. So yeah, but you you're, you're always, saying you're, yes. you're you're saying Moncada is kind of your X factor. Is that what you're saying? Well, yeah, because that's yeah. yeah and, and and again, if you remember, even before Luis Roberts, he was the one that was projected yeah. to be a five-two player. He was sure, the centerpiece sure. when they made yeah. the big big trade with Boston and. We just still haven't seen it though. Just in nine, we, I think it was in nineteen, we saw what. But if he can come back because he is a he can play offensively and defensively. So I think he that that that'll really be a big plus if he comes back. So uh, yeah, but my I, yeah to ask your question, I, I think they can 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 kind of get back because the division is not not going to get away from. Them. So yeah, always that, a pleasure, Justin. Thank you. I appreciate the phone call. I I, I, I agree that you kind of got to keep Jake Burgers 
bat in the lineup, use the DH spot if you have to here and there. I mean, obviously that's Eloy's spot. It's not a perfect situation. Um, Berger doesn't play a ton of other positions, right? I think you figure that out when, when you, you cross that bridge when you come to it. Both guys are hurt right now. Both guys are hurt right now. So you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. There's always an opening somewhere because on this team, especially, but in, on every team in baseball, there, there's you're one day away from a new injury. So if the whole team's healthy, that's the best problem Pedro Grafal and Rick Hahn and Kenny Williams and Jerry Reinstep could possibly have. But we haven't seen the whole team healthy in a few years. So I don't disagree with you about Berger, but you figure it out when you need to. All right. Chuck Garfine, NBC Sports pre- and post-game host, joins me in a moment. This is White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Radio Network. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch, ESPN 1000 Chicago. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers here with you until 5, and then I'll have the pregame show. Connor McKnight has the play-by-play from Cincinnati. He'll be sitting alongside Darren Jackson and sitting inside the NBC Sports studios. I assume it's Ozzy, maybe Ozzy and Frank. I don't know. It's a cast of characters. Uh, maybe Beckham's in there. Who knows? But I know one guy will be in there, and he'll tell us who's sitting next to him tonight. And that is the one, the only, Chuck Garfine, and he joins me right here on White Sox Weekly. Chuck, good afternoon. How you doing, pal? I'm doing good, Jesse. It is myself and Ozzy Guillen, Oswaldo Guillen, on the pregame show and postgame show tonight at 5 o'clock. we got the pregame show. I mean, it almost makes me want to, like, simulcast the postgame show. Um, I mean, I, I guess I should say if they lose, because that's when Ozzy is at his best. But I have my own postgame show to do. So for those on the radio, I'll be with you. For those watching on TV, Ozzy and, uh, and Chuck will be with you. I mean, I guess that's like the little nugget you get uh, if you're upset when they lose. You get Ozzy to explain it all to us. And I, I'm going to start with uh, an easy one for you, Chuck. Uh, what does he say off the air? <laughs> Because on the air, he just lets it fly when things don't go well. I can only imagine what he's like off the air. Probably the same, knowing Ozzy. Yeah, well, if it was, uh, if we were to air what is said off the air, it would be one giant beep. One giant, like, it would never end. It would just be beep, 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 beep. It would be like a song of beeps. That's funny. That's good stuff. He He really... Is emotional, passionate about it. It's great. You, you guys got a great pre- and post-game show. All right, let's let's get right to it. A much better week, Chuck, than the week before. I'm not just saying this because we're on White Sack Weekly. I think this is definitely closer to the team that we that we thought they'd be in and think they could be going forward. That doesn't mean they're going to win the World Series, but it means I, I, you know, there there was some just normal, better baseball this week than what we saw the previous ten days. And I, I think if you want to feel like the glass is half full, you're not wrong in doing that. What, what's your assessment when you take the 10-game losing streak and then add on these last five games? All right, so I try to give a 30,000-mile-away view of what I was watching, what was happening. And what I saw, especially during the 10-game losing streak, was you were facing really, really good teams. It started, I think it was uh, game two, maybe, of the doubleheader with the Phillies. I'm trying to remember how it started, but you're going to have you had three games in Tampa, three games at Toronto, four at home against the Rays. And they had to just keep their head above water. You know, if you're going to lose three out of four, two out of three, two out of three, that's not good, but don't lose ten in a row. Right. And when we saw the schedule for the month of April – it was a daunting schedule on paper, and the White Sox played, I would say, it ranged from okay baseball 
to bad baseball. And if you do that in a soft schedule, you'll probably come out to be about 500 or a little bit worse. But when you play okay to bad baseball for a month against this schedule that they faced and the way these teams were playing against them, you ended up going, whatever it was, 7-21, and 21, an awful start to the season. Uh, I'm not making an excuse for them. They should have played better. But the schedule was not helping the fact that they did not play good for the first month. So now that they're through the toughest part of the schedule, I would say, for the whole season, I'm not saying it gets easier all the way. They just now they're starting to find who they are, find out what their identity is. They're starting to get healthier, and they got to string some wins together. You got to win this series. You got to win the next one against the Royals, and just keep this thing going. It's uh, it's been a, the toughest April I can remember of my life. Maybe 1984. It would be the only comparison when they're coming off the division title. I mean, they've had bad Aprils before, but when you have expectations like this and you perform like this. That is really frustrating, and that's kind of how I feel about what the Sox did and where they're at right now. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. I really do. It was a perfect storm of them playing poorly at yeah. a bad time against a team having an historic start because seven of those games were against the Rays. You add all that up, and that's how you end up losing 10 in a row. I mean, they made their own bed. There's no doubt, but, but I think you, you, you bring up some good points here. Um, and, and playing them all without Tim Anderson. I mean, it's just, they cannot win when Tim Anderson is out of the lineup. It's amazing how consistent that has been since 2020. Uh, he, and, and also and Liam he's the starting shortstop on leadoff, man. Yeah, and we've kind of forgotten. I mean, even when everyone knows that Liam Hendricks has been out. But, you know, how many times has the bullpen messed things up? And it might have been a little different if Hendricks – was in the ninth and everyone else was back in inning, right? And they should have won. They could have. They should have. They could have easily won the first two games in Tampa. But the bullpen, obviously, with Ronald Lopez, blew one game, and he's given up six home runs this year. Last year, he gave up one, one. So I know they're trying Lopez in the closer spot. I don't think he has what it takes to be in the closer. He has closer stuff. But when you're giving up six home runs already and it's early May, you can't have your closer do that. So um, I think, you know, getting Liam back and he's on his way, that's going to help his team out a lot. But, yeah, T.A. losing him, that's another one. Yeah, I think those are great points, Chuck. Visiting with Chuck Garf from from NBC Sports Chicago. I think Ronaldo Lopez is the the latest example of the difference between – Normal leverage and ninth inning high leverage. There is a big difference there. And Steve Stone has talked about this over the years as well. And everyone has, really. I mean, the ninth inning is a different animal for a reason. Lopez, great arm, great stuff. Not ready for prime time every single night. Yes, of course he's going to have to pitch in some high leverage. But they had him in high leverage. I, I looked at it the other day. I mean, he's already tripled the high leverage situations he's ever been in almost. So Because, of course, he was a starter for a lot of years. So he's just learning his way. In two years, maybe he would be the closer. Maybe even next year. But, yeah, tough spot. And if I would be critical of Rick Hahn, it would be like Liam Hendricks announces cancer and – you didn't really cover his spot in any way or, or the trickle down effect of, okay, if we're going to move Lopez up to the ninth, well, who's going to do the eighth, seventh, six, you know what I mean? Like they just never addressed the loss of Hendricks personnel wise, roster wise. And it really came back to haunt them. Um, but, you know, uh, seeing Tim Anderson back in the lineup, seeing Luis Robert in some ways bottom out with that jog to first and now come back and have the game that he had last night. Like 
if you want to find the, the positive, you can start to find it because this last week has been better baseball. What, what's the X factor for you? That was how I started the show. And you can't use health. Uh, give me a, give me a, 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 is it, you could say Liam Hendricks. I mean, that, that could be the X factor, but it can't just be health because that's too easy. The X factor for what? For why they're playing better now? Or no, no, yeah. Moving forward, what, what's sort of the thing that everything will hinge on other than health? Other than health. Um, you know, you can go all over the place, but I would just say one thing that Pedro keeps bringing up, and that is chase rate, plate, discipline. Like that. Yeah, that's a big one for them. I mean, they're just chasing and chasing. The book on this team is <laughs> in bold letters with Sharpie. Like, get these guys to chase, and they'll swing. Yeah. Um, Robert isn't doing it as much. Jimenez isn't doing it as much, but you know Sosa and Andrews. So actually, Andrews is starting to get some walks, but yeah, it's been pretty bad. And I think if you improve that, that will help. Uh, the walks by their pitching staff, that's another one. Uh, it's funny, they, they lead the majors, their pitching staff leads the majors in strikeouts. They have 11 more than the Twins, but they have the second most walks. So it's kind of, they're all over the place with, you know, it's, it's, it looks really good, and then it looks really bad. Um, but yeah, I think chase rate, you, you, you get better plate discipline, and you know, it's easier said than done. I don't, the, the history with a lot of these players, it doesn't exactly, it doesn't jump off the page for plate discipline, but they got to be as as good as they can possibly be because it goes a long way because they got to swing at pitches that they can really hit and not chase, and there's been way too much chasing. I think that's a great point. That If that number starts to come down a little bit, if they if they rank, they don't have to go from ranking middle, like 29. Middle of the pack. Yeah, middle of the pack. <laughs> that'll change a lot. I mean, Luis Roberts' home run yesterday, I mean, you can't get a fastball by him. Anything, that, I mean, that's why he's so great because the, the he'll he'll destroy any mistake. But it's like the, the, the good curveball outside the zone or the slider that he's got to lay off of. So when he gets a pitch to hit, we know he's going to hit it. But he's got to he's got to learn to lay off the bad pitches and and a bunch of them do. But I, I feel like Roberts at the the top of that list. All right, Chuck, uh, anything special about pre pre tonight? Anything we need to know or uh, just uh, uh, business as usual with you and Ozzy? Well, it's always special, always well, yeah. special. Um, <laughs> what we are going to show is uh, a little interview I did with Elvis Andrews a couple of days ago where I asked him about the jacket and fedora that they're wearing in the dugout after they hit a home run. So what happened with that was, because you see, you're seeing them start to wear it, they yeah. literally were like, they wanted to get something, like this is something that Elvis thinks about. Like we need something that's going to help us, help unite us, make it fun. It brings good chemistry, and you see, you see other teams do this. So they, they literally went on the Internet and Googled what Chicago is known for. Because <laughs> these guys have lived in Chicago, but they don't like fully know all the history. Right. So he's like, you know, what? we could do something with pizza. We could have done something uh, with the weather. We could have done something. Uh, what else? Is there? There's a few other ideas that they had. But then <laughs> they went they with Al Capone. Up, but they looked up <laughs> Al Capone. But you know what? Like in this, yeah, in this politically incorrect or politically right. correct world, excuse me, people could take this the wrong way. But I kind of like it because you know what he said. He goes, you know what? We need an edge. We got to play like gangsters. And like I, when I heard that, I'm like, you know what? I like it. So they are basically playing like a bunch of gangsters. And don't take it too far and think, well, right. it, it, it symbolizes violence. It just, you know, come on, let's let's have some fun. It's baseball. It's funny when they wear this little suit. And so he, you, and so he says on the he'll say on the pregame show how much he really, really, really wanted to wear that jacket because he hadn't had a home run all year, and then he had a three run homer last night.
Well, it's funny. That's a great explanation. I, I look forward to the interview. And last night we're watching the game. My, my wife says, why are they dressing like a pimp? So send your letters to her. Send your letters to her. But she, she said that. So, I mean, everybody's got their thing. And you're right. Take it in good fun. It, it, we know it. Play like gangsters, not be gangsters. We get yeah, it. You they're, know? They're, they're, I mean, they're literally yeah. just, they want to play right. like gangsters. Right. Right. That's what they're doing. So yes. that's what it is. I think it's great. We've been calling for some kind of celebration in the dugout. They've got one now. Is it the best one in baseball? No, but they got one. I like it. Well, for a while, they couldn't celebrate anything. So let's, let's just be happy with that, that <laughs> there's know. something that they're doing, putting on, whatever the case may be. So, all right, Chuck. Uh, well, I won't be watching tonight because I'll be doing my own pregame show, but I'm sure you'll have a good one. Well, I, I, I hope you have a good one, too. <laughs> you and, got uh, it. You know, here's what I hope. For yep. both of us, it's a winning edition of yep. the postgame show. We always want those. Yes, definitely. Thanks for your time, Chuck. All right. See you, Jesse. Right. Bye-bye. That's Chuck Garfine, NBC Sports Chicago pre- and postgame with Ozzie Guillen. I'll have the pre- and postgame right here on the White Sox Radio Network starting at 5 o'clock. But we're talking White Sox baseball. Up until then, we expect to hear from one Billy Hamilton. I figured, you know what? It's Derby Day. Let's get one of the fastest players in baseball on with me and we will do that he's been thrown right into the mix he's going to join me in about 20 minutes now he's warming up down uh, not down but over in Cincinnati where the Reds and White Sox will play first pitch set for 540 but Billy Hamilton scheduled to join me in about 20 minutes you're going to hear from Mike Huff Mike Huff's going to join me he's a frequent guest on White Sox weekly weekly we'll talk to him about what's going on with uh, White Sox youth baseball and you will hear from Liam Hendricks who pitched last night in a rehab start had that press conference at Guaranteed Rate Field. Um, of course, beat cancer. He's back on the field, and we'll hear from him during this show as well. But we're always taking your phone calls at 312-332-3776. This is White Sox Weekly. I'm Jesse Rogers on ESPN 1000. Greeny 10 to noon weekdays, ESPN Chicago. Jesse Rogers with you on White Sox Weekly as we continue on here on this Saturday afternoon. Don't forget White Sox and Reds coming up. Two hours from now, first pitch at about 5.40, Connor McKnight will have the play-by-play with Darren Jackson. Join us at Guaranteed Rate Field next Saturday, May 13th, as the White Sox take on the Houston Astros at 6.15 p.m. The first 20,000 fans will receive an Eloy Jimenez Hi Mom Talking Bobblehead presented by Wintrust, Chicago's bank. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash promos. 312-332-3776 is the number. Asking a simple question to you. Can they, get, can they get back in it, or is all lost in your mind? If they had lost 10 games in a row in June or July and been this far out, different story. But it did happen early, early enough that you can convince yourself they got a shot. You can convince yourself, especially if they have weeks like they just had, 4-1 and one since ending that 10-game streak. Do you think they can get back in it? They're eight out with three teams ahead of them with tons of of time left. And what is your X factor? I stole the health one. I said, look, Tim Anderson being on the field is my X factor. He's got to stay on the field. Chuck said, they've got to stop chasing just a little bit. Stop chasing inside the zone, uh, outside the zone, excuse me, make the pitchers come in the zone. You saw what Luis Robert did yesterday in the sixth inning, got a pitch. He could hit, put it out of the ballpark. That's how you get pitchers to come in the zone when you stop chasing. Because until you prove that you'll stop, they'll keep throwing it out there. They'll keep throwing it out there. So 
Uh, that was Chuck Garfine's X Factor. What's your X Factor moving forward? Could be a part of their game. Could be a specific player. But you can't use health. That's too easy. I I took the easy easy route. Uh, tonight it is Mike Clevenger on the mound. He's been okay. Don't love some of the trends. He's not throwing strikes as much as he needs to, but he's been okay. Had a good first couple starts. A little wonky since. He needs to throw more strikes. I had a chance the other day to talk to Mike Clevenger about his start to the season. I think he's he's still trying to lock in, but I think he's been serviceable so far. And if he locks in, I think he'll be a whole lot better. Here's here's Mike Clevenger myself a couple days ago in the, in the White Sox locker room. First of all, tell me how you think you've pitched so far. What have you done well? What have you wanted to work on? I think just work on really just mindset while I'm out there. I think there's times where I fell in the funks where I was internally thinking, internalizing everything, and so my external focus wasn't there, so I wasn't really competing, and I think that might be one of my best traits is how I can compete on the mound, but when I'm inside my head thinking about mechanics and maximizing pitches, then starts uh, execution starts failing. Some of the numbers that I've looked at, strike percentage, first strike percentage, a little bit down for you, finding the strike zone in general a little bit down for you. Is that something you got to work on, just get that first strike over? Yeah, I mean we're still early on, so I mean I, I, it's gonna. I think it's gonna play like balance itself out. But yeah, I think again that just goes back to just internalizing. I think uh, last start went out there and just didn't look up at the radar gun, didn't look up at the numbers, and you know I was there competing every single pitch and think ahead basically most of the starts. So I think uh, if I can stay in that mindset and keep the work in, in between starts, it's gonna be a good spot. I once had a pitcher tell me he needs a hundred innings to really feel good. I'm like, that's half the season. Yeah. Uh, what what does it take for you? Does is a hundred sound like a lot, or is that really about? the right number for a pitcher you're talking you know 25 26 spring training yeah i I mean i'd say it it takes a few starts i'd say at least to the 10 start marker to really start syncing up well so however many innings you can cover in those 10 starts i'd say about that marker and when when you feel right what does it feel like on the mound you can can you know that day i'm feeling like it's locked in yeah yeah i mean it's uh i mean it's Again, you hear a lot of people talk about the flow state. That's where it is, where you're almost like working on a subconscious, where you're, you know, you're you're just kind of in the moment for every single pitch. You're not worried about, you know, what what happened last. You're not worried about a, uh, you know, pitch ex- execution as much. Like you just know that's going to be there. It's more of a, like, just really just syncing the body. Up. Once the body gets synced up, it, it maps itself and learns it. But I mean, again, you got to go out there each start and have your body kind of relearn that syncing to get synced up again based on thin steam mound how your body's feeling that week and stuff like that. What's prep like for a team like the Reds outside the division, that kind of thing? Not that you've been in this division that long since you were in San Diego, but what, what's it like facing the Reds for the only time? Oh, I mean, I, I, mean, I know all those boys over there. I was with Cleveland for so long, so we had the Ohio Cup every year. But, uh, no, it's, it's, the same, it's the same for every team. I mean, it's not it's not any different. I mean, you get a scouting report after your first, after the last outing, I get my get the red scouting report and then start diving into that, look at some of the hitters' videos, kind of look at their trends, and then uh, see where my stuff's playing, and then kind of map it out with Yaz or Seb, whoever's got me. Tell me health-wise, you know, after last year, are you feeling really good about where you are right now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm getting a pitch on two legs now, so uh, <laughs> that's, that's a plus. Thanks, Mike. All right, that was Mike Clevenger a couple days ago. He'll face the Reds tonight. Nick Lodolo on the mound for Cincinnati. We know traditionally the White Sox have beaten up on left-handed pitching, and he has had a rough few starts. He started out great. He's a, he's a good young pitcher for the Reds. Should have a bright future with Hunter Green, but he's gone through some rough um, moments just in the last couple weeks. Hopefully that continues if you're a White Sox fan. Jesse Rogers with you. Let's go to the phone lines. Jim's in Racine, and you're on ESPN 1000. Jim, what's up? <laughs> 
Hi. Well, I, to answer your question, or try to, I, I don't think there's any doubt that the White Sox can get back in this. I mean, it's only May, early May. If they win a few series, they'll be four back by the All-Star break, and then it's anybody's game from that point once they get to that point. Now, they have to play a lot better, that's for sure, but um, you know, I don't know. I, I think it's easy, and if they play better, they could be right in it. But they're going to have to play better. Yeah, it's crazy how the divisions stack up. I mean, the Toronto Blue Jays are in fourth place in the AL East. They're 19 and 14, eight games out. The White Sox are 11 and 22, and eight games out. So it, it, it's nuts. They're fortunate to be in the right division, right, Jim? Right. Uh, you know, and again, I just don't think they're as you said a minute ago. They're, they're, it, we're lucky that's only. May. If it were August, it'd be different, but they've got plenty of time. But again, they have to play better. And, uh, and I think they will. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I that, this last week, is I think pro- every, I think every team has a bad streak once a season and we have ours out of the way. And, you know, I don't think they're going to lose 10 games in a row again. I think no. they might win 10 games in a row. Yeah, but they, so. they, I mean, the problem is they can't even lose eight out of 10 in a row or else they'll be sunk. So they've, you're right. They had their one. That's what I said at the top of the show. They can't have another one, anything close to that, while hoping that Cleveland and, uh, and Minnesota do. But it's not like Cleveland's record's all that great. Minnesota is, is a nice 19 and 14. You'd rather be there. Um, look, if they play like they have the last week, they, they have a shot to get back in it. I think we both agree with that. Great. Yeah. Jim, thanks for the call. All right. That uh, was Jim from Racine. We'll take more of your phone calls. 312-332-3776, the number. But we're hoping to talk to Billy Hamilton as he gets ready for the game tonight. Reds and White Sox right here on ESPN 1000. First pitch at 540. I'll start the official pregame show for you at 5, of cl- five o'clock. We'll talk to Mike Huff next hour. And... Uh, Um, again, Billy Hamilton in a few minutes. Bring your family to a White Sox game with a family pack presented by ExxonMobil. Your family will get one ticket, hot dog, drink, and chips to select games starting at $19 per ticket. Plus, with every purchase, you have a chance to win mobile gasoline for a year. For tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash family. This is White Sox Weekly. My name is Jesse Rogers, sitting in for Connor McKnight. He's got the play-by-play. We hope to talk to Billy Hamilton in a few moments. Stay tuned. This is ESPN 1000. The ESPN Chicago Triple Play AM, FM, HD, and app. Okay, welcome back to White Sox Weekly. We have some breaking news that uh, we will try to track down more on, but Ila Menes sent to the hospital with abdominal pain. This is according to Pedro Grafal. He has some discomfort Friday night was sent to the hospital this morning, this morning. So hopefully he's okay. Um, Elon Amen is sent to the hospital in Cincinnati. That That's always going to be a serious situation. And I would, you know, hope that he's okay. But we'll, we'll try to get an update on that for you. And certainly Connor and DJ who are on the scene can update us as well. Maybe we can get Connor on, guys, and just get an update on, on that. He is not obviously in the starting lineup, which uh, has Tim Anderson leading off, Vaughn, Robert, Grandel, Benintendi, Alberto is at third. Andrews at second. Zavala is catching Hazley in right field. So no Eloy Jimenez in tonight's game as he was sent to the hospital with abdominal pain this morning. 312-332-3776 is the phone number. Hoping good thoughts for uh, Eloy as they certainly need him. But first and foremost, we just have to hope he's okay and it's nothing, nothing too serious. But anytime you hear a player being sent to the hospital – um, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. So maybe we can get Connor or DJ on the line 
give us a little bit more information before the end of White Sox Weekly here. 312-332-3776 is the number. Man, the Sox just can't get any luck when it comes to injuries. It's just been crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, these last couple years with them, maybe there's some injuries that have been preventable, but certainly there's been a portion of them that have been fluky, and, and they seem to all revolve around Eloy a lot of the times. You know, the pectoral one going over the, the fence. This one, obviously, is, is probably a, a, a flukish thing. Hopefully, again, not too serious. Uh, we'll talk to Billy Hamilton shortly. Maybe he can give us a little update as well um, on, on Eloy. And again, he's not in the starting lineup. Speaking of injuries and returning from um, what you'd call a terrible one, meaning cancer, Liam Hendricks back on the mound last night. He made his first rehab stint uh, appearance. I was, gonna, I was about to say start. He didn't start the game. One rehab uh, appearance, and uh, he'll have three or four more, maybe a back-to-back in there before he returns afterwards. He talked about uh, what it was, what a surprise it was for Gwinnett, the opposing team, to be celebrating him. Um, I was having this conversation with my wife the other day because I was like, okay, the, like I don't kind of quite get it. But, no, she's like, no, no, you have to understand how big this is for a lot of people, how big this is for a lot of people going through this. I have family members going through this. This is more about like, oh, you missed six weeks. It's more about you overcoming something extreme and then – what you getting back on a mound so quickly represents to a lot of people who are going through this right now. And that's something that uh, you really have to reflect on because it's, it's a lot bigger than just me. Uh, but no, I definitely appreciated that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's something that will follow me around for a little bit. I'm sure I'm sure. And I just want to make sure that I make a positive impact and, and make sure that um, I do right by everybody who's currently battling battling through this and going through treatments or just finished treatments as a family member going through it. And uh, I always have to take a step back and realize that it's more, it's not about the timeline you're at. It's about what you're going through and, and what you can represent to a lot of people. That was Liam Hendricks last night. Of course, it's about the inspiration, right? I mean, when an athlete does this very publicly, cause they all have to do this publicly, that's their job and recovers as quickly as he did. It doesn't mean the next guy's going to recover that quickly, but they can be inspired by that inspired by, the attitude he took going into it and what he did coming out of it. All of that plays a part. Celebrate Mother's Day with us at the ballpark next Sunday, May 14th, as the White Sox take on the Houston Astros at 110. First 20,000 fans will receive a White Sox belt bag presented by Rush, a proud supporter of breast cancer awareness. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. Let's get back to Liam Hendricks because we are waiting a phone call from Billy Hamilton. That's going to come at about the top of the hour Looking forward to talking to Billy. So he went one inning last night. Did he want a second inning? Here's Liam. Oh, God, no. <laughs> Not just yet. No. I'm, I'm just happy to have a, an inning where I get three outs um, at, that, at this stage. So not, whether it be nine pitches. I mean, my first outing, I threw 22 pitches. So uh, I think 22, and then I think the next one was 17. So we're trending in the right direction. So hopefully the next one will be lower than nine. And as it's um, the toughest thing is never the pitch count for me. It's about getting loose, getting in, getting out, and then that that's usually where it goes. It's uh, it's never the the amount of pitches. I mean, as Pedro had said, I was throwing forty pitch bullpens because if you do get deep into the weeds of an inning, um, you need to have the stamina to be able to throw that fortieth pitch as being your most important pitch you're going to throw that inning. So uh, nine pitches is all good for me right now, and um, and hopefully I can continue being clean and scoreless and quick pitch innings, and that bodes well for uh, for recovery. 
All right, Liam Hendricks last night. Yeah, he's not ready for a second inning, and why would he be? Because he's rarely going to do that in the regular season unless we get down to September probably. Um, the, the bigger key is probably back-to-back days, and I, I imagine that's usually for a reliever the last hurdle. So I would assume he'll get back-to-back appearances. I'm just making this assumption. I don't know for sure. Um, probably next week, sometime late next week maybe, uh, or middle of the next week, and then he'll get a couple days off and return to the White Sox at that point. That That's usually the last hurdle, but obviously every pitcher is different. Every, every um, rehab stint is different. Now, uh, more about his game last night. I mean, he's about velocity, right? When his velocity is on, that probably means he's, he's close to returning. So here's um, – Cut five, Liam Hendricks last night on his velocity. I don't know what the uh, the velo was. Um, I was somewhat looking, but someone not trying to because, one, it was I was too busy trying to – first time using the pitch clock, trying to make sure that I had my cleats clean and all that sort of stuff. There was you – know, I rushed a little bit just to get through that because of it being wet and all this. But, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure what it was tonight. Uh I got a swing and miss on a fastball. I got some weak contact on sliders, so that's all I'm really, uh, really looking for. Like velo is great and all this sort of stuff, but currently it's it's how the how it comes out and how the hitters take it. And as of tonight, like I could, I I wouldn't have been surprised if I was very firm, but you just never know. Well, the team knows they've got a they've got a radar gun on him, and and it it's not everything, but it's a good indication that your your arm is live and in shape, and you're ready to rock and roll. I mean, if he's throwing. 90 instead of 95 or 95 instead of 99 that that makes a difference in any case that was Liam Hendricks last night we'll play some of his press conferences is his press conference from the other day at guaranteed rate field where his teammates were in the room with a tons uh, a ton of media in there and uh we'll just get the whole picture of his return after beating cancer his announcement came on January 9th and here we are just short of four months and he's back on the mound he was at guaranteed rate field and then went out um joined uh Triple A Charlotte as they take on Gwinnett this um, this weekend. He'll do that for a few more days, a week or so, and then he'll be back with the White Sox, hopefully in short order. Let's pause 10 seconds for station ID. Live from the old National Bank State Street studio. This is WMVP WSHEHD2 Chicago, a good karma brand's radio station. All right, we will take a break, come back, hopefully talk to Billy Hamilton and get more uh, information on this Eloy Jimenez news. He was hospitalized this morning with abdominal pain. We'll find out more from uh, everybody on site in Cincinnati. Jesse Rogers with you. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Instagram at ESPN underscore Chicago. All right, hour number two of White Sox Weekly. Let's reset things here. Jesse Rogers with you from downtown Chicago. We've got the Reds and White Sox tonight, about an hour and 40 minutes from first pitch. Connor McKnight is in Cincinnati. He's got the play-by-play, so that's why I'm sitting in with it for him uh, during White Sox Weekly here. And also, I'll have the pregame and postgame show for you as the White Sox try to continue their winning ways. They're 4-1 over their last five after losing 10 in a row, and they were this close, this close to winning that fifth game on Thursday. Nice little five-game win streak, but instead they're 4-1. and one. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's almost like the baseball gods said to the White Sox, we're not going to make it that easy on you. We're not going to let you win five in a row after losing 10 in a row. you got to earn it. And so they, they failed to win that extra inning game against the Twins on Thursday, but they have played good baseball, winners of four or five, and uh, won a nice game last night, 5-4 as Elvis Andrews and Luis Robert went deep and the bullpen held on 
late, nice little double play started by Luis Robert in the ninth inning as well. So some good baseball this week, which was uh, preceded by some bad baseball as uh, the schedule did light up a little bit here as well. Jesse Rogers with you, 312-332-3776. We're following this story tonight, this storyline. Eloy Jimenez hospitalized this morning with abdominal pain. Here's what Pedro Grafal had to say, the audio, courtesy of my buddy Daryl Van Scowen of the Sun-Times, who's in Cincinnati. Here's Pedro. Uh, Nope. How's he doing? He had some... uh abdominal pain uh, last night it intensified throughout the night and um, this morning you know we took him up we took him to uh, the hospital for further evaluation he's still there we should know something you know here shortly or either before the game or during the game it's kind of scary huh yeah. it is of course anytime you got to go in with abdominal pain it is, it is Hopefully, you know, things turn out okay, and we'll, we'll get some news here either before or during the game. Do you know if it's anything he's ever experienced before on a lower level? You know, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I talked to him. I talked to him this morning, and uh, he just said, you know, it hurts when I move. And you know, obviously, I wasn't the first guy to talk to. I was probably the last one. Um, a lot of doctors and trainers were calling him, uh, but it got a little it intensified a little bit. So they just. You know, again, Aaron in the side of caution, they took him in and we'll see what uh, we'll see what it is. Oh, there you go. That's Pedro Grafal talking about Eloy Jimenez taking to the hospital. They they don't have an update. They're hoping for something in game. I mean, it is kind of scary on its surface, but hopefully, it, it could also not be serious, right? We just don't know. And boy, has this guy gone through the gamut of of injuries um, and. And ailments, I guess this isn't so much an injury, but an ailment. I don't know if it's an illness. We'll find out. But uh, it's just tough for him, tough for him to stay on the field. But first and foremost, he's a human being who was sent to the hospital. Best wishes, of course, to Eloy Jimenez as he won't play tonight, obviously. But, you know, who knows? It could be a one-day thing. could be multiple days. You just don't know. The lineup without him is, uh, again, Tim Anderson leading off, Andrew Vaughn. Second playing first. Robert is in center. Grandel's DHing. Benatendi's in left. Alberto's at third. Andrews at second. Zavala catching, and Hazley is in right field. Hazley hitting 500. Maybe he had that uh, nice game the other day. Really, really good job there. So both catchers in the lineup tonight. As Zavala will will do the catching duties. Grandel is the DH. They have a uh, obviously a day game after a night game tomorrow. So Grandel will will more than likely be behind the plate. So that's how they'll do it without. Um, Eloy Jimenez, but hopefully he is okay. 312-332-3776. If you kind of want to comment on this latest issue um, with uh, with Eloy, we don't have much information, so there's this not there's not a lot more to say other than just to shake your head with these things that pop up with this team. It's just it's it's just so unfortunate, so unlucky in a lot of cases. Um, you just can't you can't get your arms around it. What 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 is going on? But but you you just hope for the best. For Eloy, luckily, um, and of course they have two third basemen now. I say, luckily, Tim Anderson came back, but both their third basemen are down. Jake Berger is on the IL, and obviously, Yohan Mankata has had that back injury for quite a while. Happened at the end of spring training, and he's hurting as well and on the injured list. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. The number. Now, I want to bring up something. Just 
off topic as we wait for Billy Hamilton to call in because I can't believe this created such a stir. And maybe it's just in the online world, right? There's the real world, and then there's online world. So I want to get I want you to get your take on the White Sox, Eloy's latest ailment. Um, if you think they can get back in the race, that was the question I asked last uh, hour. But everybody, I think, saw that Wander Franco play. Tampa Bay Rays, great shortstop. Earlier this week against the Pirates, a couple days ago, he fielded a ground ball, routine ground ball, and he kind of flipped the ball up to himself before throwing it to first base. Got the guy in plenty of time. Little little, little uh, hot dog in it. Flipped it up to himself through to first base. I didn't think anything of it. Okay, he's having some fun. It's kind of like a behind-the-back pass, whatever. Um, obviously, if he drops the ball, just like a behind-the-back pass that goes out of bounds, you're going to make fun of the guy, right? And maybe his manager would come down on him. Yeah, but he didn't drop the ball. He threw it to first. And it, it feels like there's a portion of the, of, of the world out there that is all down on Wander Franco for doing this. And on White Sox Weekly here, we have time to talk about anything and everything. I, I, don't, I, I don't understand why anybody would be making fun of that. If he screws up, that's on him and his team. Who cares? He didn't screw up, and it turned out to be kind of a fun highlight. Uh, tell me what I'm missing here. It, 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 is, are you people that old school or just plain old old that you, you can't a guy can't have a little fun? He's so skilled that he can get away with it, I guess. Now, if he continues to push the envelope, maybe he'll make a mistake. But why is that any of our business? It'll be fun to see him make a mistake, unless you're a Rays fan, of course. So it's fun to see him make the play, and it'll be kind of funny if he drops the ball next time he does something like that. I, I don't understand why this would be an issue, but I guess in this world, internet world, we live in online world, social media, everything can be made an issue. I want to, Maybe I'm wrong, though. You tell me, 312-332-3776. You saw the play, right? Wander fields it, tosses up to himself, and then throws it to first. Big deal. No harm, no foul. I don't know what Kevin Cash said to him afterwards. I don't care. I don't think it's a big deal. You tell me. We'll take your phone calls on that in a few moments. But first, let's go to Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, where we have the speedy, speedy outfielder for the Chicago White Sox. His second stint with the White Sox. It's Billy Hamilton, the 11-year veteran. He is with us on White Sox Weekly. Billy, it's Jesse Rogers. Good to talk to you. I know we only have about five minutes. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm, I'm doing all good, Jesse. Thanks, thanks for having me. You got it. You know, we just got this news. I don't know if you have an update, but how is your teammate Eloy Jimenez doing? We understand he went to the hospital. Anything you know about him? We, we're all praying that he's okay. Oh uh, no! So I, I, I ended up. I, mean, I just got here, so I haven't, hadn't heard too much news about it and everything. So, like I said, I hope everything is good. But like I said, we don't have any info of what's going on too much about it. But like I said, we, he's all in our prayers and everything. So I hope everything is great. Absolutely. We hope so. All right. Your second stint with the White Sox, you've really been thrown into the deep end. Um, and of course, since you've come up, they played good baseball. They had some problems before that. But talk about just being you know, on second base a couple times with the winning run in that extra inning game, pinch running, um, trying to bunt to win the game. Does it feel like everything moved fast for you or have you been around enough that, OK, this is baseball. I got to be ready to play. Yeah, most definitely. Like I said, like I said, I've been around the game a long time, and I and like I said the last few years I've been playing this role to where I come in most of the time in the back end. So I kind of got like a little routine to where I can uh, be prepared and kind of know what situations I, I I be coming in. So it's something that I, I already knew well, coming up here what the situation was going to be. So it, it kind of worked out that those games that we had was uh 
close games to where I can get in there. So like I said, most of the time, if it's, if it's a close game, I'm going to be in there in a situation. So I was kind of excited for the first couple, uh, first few days I was there and uh, what to happen. And like I said, winning is always great. Like, it's just about me coming over here and trying to do what I can to um, to help the team win. Like I said, in any situation, like this, but it's more like the team, like, it's just like, I feel like we're uh, have, back having, back having fun. That's the main thing about this game. The game is hard enough already, but for, for guys to come every day and uh, and be successful and uh, and play the game with a lot of fun and heart and hustle, it, it makes a big difference. So I'm excited about uh, what's, what we've been doing the past few days. And like I said, we just got to continue to uh, keep getting better each and every day and, like I said, keep, keep trying to get the wins. Take me through the bottom of the ninth the other day. I know you wanted this one. The winning runs on third base and – you decide to try to lay down a bunt. Give me, give me your thought process on that. You know, like I said, I, I, like, like I said, like I use my speed, so I, I knew, I, I knew it was two outs and everything. But still, if I can get the bunt down, like I said, uh, the guy on third base, I knew he can, uh, he was gonna be able to score either way. But like I said, if, if I can get a good bunt down and uh, still, still make it to first base, you know I'm saying we still get that winning run. So it's just something that uh, I, I, I pulled out of my hat and everything. It's something <laughs> that uh, I mean, it's, it's not a bad play if I get the bunt down and, and beat it out and get the. Uh, the winning run. I've seen it done multiple times where a guy bunk with two uh two outs and uh and, and, and actually get a run in. So like I say it was just something that I, I thought about during the, the time of that bat and just I, I didn't get it down. So it's something that I uh, that I, I'm not beating beating myself about it. I mean it's, it's a situation that where I, I thought I could get it down and score a run. So it happened. Yeah, it, uh, almost almost that game was so close. Uh several chances and in extra innings. You were on second a couple times. Um so tell t- t- let's talk about Stealing bases with the new rules. I don't know if you remember this, but you and I talked for just a few minutes, like the first couple days of spring training before we knew what this would look like. And you weren't sure. You weren't sure if you were going to have to peek at the clock, get a big lead off. Well, now you've played some games in the minors, now in the majors. What's it like trying to steal bases with the pitch clock? You know, it's actually not 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 as bad. You know, like I said, I still don't 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 look at the clock as much as I, as as uh, a lot of people do. I'm, I'm still more of like trying to uh, read the picture and uh, knowing like what the. I feel like the the the, the disengagements are the, the 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 better. I mean, the bigger factor in uh, mm-hmm. I think we're still in bases. So like I said, you only get two pickouts back in the day when I was coming up and everything. You had guys that can pick off. 10, 10 to 15 times if they wanted to, you know, <laughs> but now, now it's more like, hey, you, like, you only get two, and that's what I'm saying. Like, like you don't want to use your two real quick, and then you have a whole at bat to uh, to get the bases. So now you can have got to have a little uh, a little strategy with that. So I think I've kind of kind of uh, uh, got a little strategy to where I can uh, get get a bag easier than I, I than in the past. So I just got to keep working on it and keep getting better for sure. When when you were with Cincinnati, where you are now. Uh, what, what, can you recall the most times a guy threw over to first base in one, you know, a one, uh, plate appearance or whatever while you're at first? Oh yeah. Uh, I think, I think it was around, I think it was around 11 times. I think, I think it was 11. Like I came in with, with if, it, if I'm correct, but it, it was around at least 10 or 11 for sure. And that's why I was like, now you only get two. So now it's kind of like, okay, man, I good. <laughs> Cause I don't want to do that the whole time. Look, and he, he already know they're trying to speed the game up. So picking off so many times can slow the game up. And you always, you always hear when when somebody pick off the uh, the crowd boos and stuff like that. <laughs> so it's just like you don't want to hear all these boos for ten times in a row. So <laughs> I get tired just trying to slide back to first base. You know, every, right, exactly. eleven and times. That, that, right, that, that's the main <laughs> thing. I'm, I'm getting kind of kind of like older too. So you know, I'm like, I, I'm trying to stay off the ground as much as I can. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. Billy, I know you have a little meeting there before the game. I appreciate it. An hour and a half before first pitch. Good to see you back in a White Sox uniform and doing your thing on the bases and in the outfield. We appreciate the time. 
No problem. Thank you. Okay, that's Billy Hamilton, um, who was really uh, a big part of this team this, this, these last few days, and he will be. I mean, Pedro Grafal said it right. It, it was it was a perfect time to bring him up. Maybe a perfect time a few weeks ago. They could have used him probably defensively in the outfield, uh, but this this was a good time to bring him up. A couple, three close games this week, and he's he's thrown in there as a pinch runner. He's trying to bunt. He's the guy on second and extra innings, um, playing some outfield. So value for guys like Billy Hamilton just shot up. I think we'd all agree with that. Just shot up with these new rules. Um, Billy in his 11th year, and I, I think he has a job because of these new rules, to be honest. So good to hear from him. Doesn't have an update on Aloy Jimenez, who went to the hospital this morning with abdominal pain. We'll try to figure out what's going on there. Otherwise, maybe Connor or DJ mid-game will have an update. Um, we'll hear from them in about, oh, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes as they get set for first pitch. I'll have the official pregame show with uh, for you at 5. Coming up, Mike Huff. Mike Huff, part of the White Sox family. He'll join me talk about uh, youth baseball this summer. It's around the corner. Stay tuned. This is White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Radio Network. Carmen and Yurko, noon to two weekdays, ESPN Chicago. All right, welcome back to White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers sitting in for Connor McKnight. He'll have the play-by-play from Cincinnati along with Darren Jackson at 540. I'll have the official pregame show at 5, and, of course, I'll be here postgame as well to take your phone calls. Host your group from a view like no other in the CIBC Fan Deck. Located in center field, the fan deck sits above the field, providing an expansive view of the entire field and stadium. Enjoy a customizable food and beverage package. Visit whitesox.com slash fan deck or call 312-674-1000 for more information. So you know the headline of the week besides the White Sox going 4-1 and one and breaking that 10-game losing streak. The major headline is the return of Liam Hedricks to the ball field. He made his rehab start last night, but a couple days before that, he was at Guaranteed Rate Field and held a press conference, his first press conference, his first public comments since announcing cancer back on January 9th and since beating cancer a few weeks ago. We figured we'd bring back a chunk of that so you can, if you missed it, you can sort of understand what Liam has gone through and uh, what he feels like right now in terms of his baseball abilities and, and how his world has been impacted by all this. Here's Liam Hendricks talking to reporters for the first time a couple days at Guaranteed Rate Field. So as all of you know, I got diagnosed with non-Hodgkin lymphoma. I announced it on January 8th. Um, it happened a little bit before that with my wife and I when we found out, but we kind of announced it once we got the clarification. Uh, so we found out early December, um, and then we progressed through the ranks to figure out uh, what stage it was, um, the degree, what treatment uh, plans we had in place. So... Uh, technically, I, got, I was diagnosed with stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, and started treatment on January 9th and 10th. And that was our first session. We went through immunotherapy and chemotherapy, uh, was able to get through with four rounds. Um, and that was diagnosed through not only uh, the Mayo Clinic out in Arizona, but also through uh, the White Sox helping to facilitate getting uh, CAT scans and biopsies and all this sort of stuff. So I just want to uh, really reach out to the White, thank the, uh, the White Sox organization for everything that they were able to do. Um, I don't think it would have been as quick of a, uh, a process if I wasn't able to kind of lean on those guys. Uh, I want to thank all of you media people for kind of re- uh, respecting my wife and I's privacy. It was uh, 
obviously trying times for us, but we really appreciate the fact that it was a hello in the hallway or little things like that, and it was no kind of prying, no trying to do anything like that, which we really appreciate because, uh, as you can imagine, it was not exactly the uh, the uh, the best times of our lives. But hey, it's another thing we we step towards and and move forward. And uh, as of now, um, I've got a clean bill of health. I'm currently in remission and. I will be starting my uh, rehab assignment in Gwinnett on Friday, uh, and I leave tomorrow for that. So I've had a couple games in Arizona getting getting my uh, legs under me, realizing that the bullpen is a lot further away than I remembered it last year. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, um, and also, like, before we, I, it was all discovered because of some lumps in my neck. Uh, I found a lump on here, which now there's a scar out there, a lump on the, my, back of my neck, the side, and here, that were the main triggers. Uh, I told our training staff that they came around June. I didn't tell anybody till July. I got a blood test done, and nothing came up, which is which is fun, that blood cancer doesn't come up in the blood, which is great. But, um, yeah, they uh, everything that the White Sox did for me was, was huge and uh, has definitely contributed to being able to be back as soon as I have been and, and moving forward with this kind of uh, this path forward. Liam, You've gone through this journey, and you've dealt with a lot of things. Has this changed your perspective on life itself? Not particularly. I think I've always had a um, – it. I've never really had a life is short or anything like that, but I've – I mean, since my kind of career turnaround in 2019, 2018, um, I haven't changed my mindset. It's always been a positive next day is what we're going to do. It's never been a look to the future. It's been taking taking care of today, and I don't think that's really changed. But I think actually that was a contributing factor that really helped me attack everything with this. Like um, treatments one and three were the hardest for me. Uh, treatments two and four were a lot easier. But it was those days where you're just on the couch, not being able to move too much. That kind of really that was the days you needed to dig deep. Those are the days where you needed to find that positive mental attitude and and the aptitude and, and moving forward. That was. Uh, that hasn't really changed my, my outlook on life, but it's definitely made me miss being in this clubhouse. It's definitely made me miss being a part of the team and being around and, um, and quote-unquote, keeping Tim in his place. In spring training, we heard you were throwing bullpens already, which was seemed remarkable. Um, were, you, were you pushing the envelope there? Uh, is, that, is that normal? And how were you able to, to do that and do the things that you've been doing physically at the at the pace you're working at? Uh, so I got very lucky in the fact that my my doctor was a former collegiate gymnast who then went through leukemia herself. So she was very understanding of the, the athletic way of doing things. Um, unfortunately, as anybody who's had anything to do with cancer or anything like this, it is a very, very scientific. Everything is done based upon research. Everything is based upon this. So it was... There was no guidelines on bullpens. There was no guidelines on athletic endeavors. There was no guidelines on that because they've never really been able to do a case study on enough people to get some uh, some relevant data. Uh, but for me, it was, and her was, as long as you throw, as long as you feel okay doing it, as long as you recover fine doing it, she goes, I have no problem with it. But if you feel anything, you have to be cognizant of why your body feels. So luckily, I didn't feel anything other than the usual usual pain that I'm normal that I'm used to so um yeah it was uh definitely there was I was pushing it to 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 see how far I could go but in saying that I was responding well and if I wasn't responding well I wouldn't have been able to do as much as I did what is your physical strength level like in terms of 
It's it's very hard to gauge because I don't work, I don't lift, so I don't have my physical strength. But throwing wise, I feel great. Uh, I've been long tossing pretty much consistently, other than um, the week, the treatment week, and then a couple days after that, just to make sure I could get. I wasn't rushing back after a week off throwing every time. But other than that, I uh, was long tossing pretty much the entire time. I was throwing bullpens. Other than the the week uh, and the next week, I was Tuesday, Friday, so. Got probably more bullpens than most of the guys back there just because I wasn't allowed to get in the game because James wouldn't let me. If he's here. That's Cruck, by the way. James Cruck wouldn't let me. Do you have any setbacks from the treatments that you've been through? And what do you foresee your time frame in joining the team? Yeah, I mean, um, setbacks were every every treatment session. I had, to, I had treatment on Monday, Tuesday. Uh, and then Wednesday, Thursday, I was pretty much catatonic on the couch. Friday, I'd make sure to come to the field and move around a little bit. But then it's kind of you take four days off from throwing, and then it was the slow ramp, like the couple of days ramp up before I could get back into it again. That was the uh, that was mainly the, the setbacks baseball wise. Um, health wise, it was I'm not a breakfast person, so I had to eat breakfast while I was taking all the medication for the anti nausea and uh, the things to boost my immune system, and then the pills to make sure that I didn't have bone pain and all this sort of stuff. So the, the medications I had to had to eat a lot regularly so I ended up gaining a little bit of weight, which is a better alternative than what I was expecting. Um, yeah, I was so worried about losing weight that I gained 15 pounds. So um, yeah, now it's, <laughs> that was a setback but um, yeah, it's uh, that, was, that was it really. I was lucky in the fact of, I got told, hey, the more you move, the more water you drink, the more Kind of you stay active, it's it's better in the long run because you you become and you start not like you start getting used to moving around a little bit. Where if you sit on the couch, you start getting used to sitting on the couch, you'll just feel worse. So moving around and able to get on like the peloton and all that sort of stuff and go to the field and and just kind of keep that exercise going, being outside that uh, that was a big thing. I did notice that I get sunburned a lot easier, which is bad for me because I got sunburned the hell of a lot as it was, uh, just because you get a little bit more. Uh, uh, sensitive to the sun, but other than that, yeah, it wasn't too bad. And luckily, I was able to kind of get on the get on the mound and get the get everything flowing. So right now, I call it, I'm in somewhat of a February. Um, it's obviously now I'm just trying to ramp up and then get this thing going. But we uh, we have a timeline in place. It's just a matter of how it goes and how I feel uh, getting into games and now having to adjust to a pitch clock that I haven't kind of <laughs> haven't used yet. Um, but it's little, those little things that. Uh, we have a plan in place, but nothing set in stone because it all depends on how I recover and how I go. Hey, Liam, you mentioned the stress this can be on the spouse. Uh, how important was your wife in terms of you know you coming back and beating this thing? Uh, I could never say how much she did for me, ever. Um, being there every day, especially the first few rounds of treatment, um, because... They were the hardest on me physically, uh, and being a spouse sitting next to you, sitting next to your husband while he's motion sensors, uh, while he's sitting on like lying in a hospital bed, writhing in pain, not being able to do anything. I could never, I don't think I'd ever be able to understand or have that side of that kind of hurt going through, um, but driving to and from every treatment, driving to and from every test. Uh, she was living by by my side every single step of the way. Um, 
kicking me when I needed to be kicked to get out and do something and, and get active, uh, telling me to slow it down when I'm doing too much because I don't know any other way. Uh, there was I don't think I'll ever be able to thank her enough. I don't think I'll ever be able to show my gratitude enough. I don't think I'll ever be able to do anything that even comes close to what she was able to do for me throughout this. And that's something that, I mean, I've already been in love with her for 15 years. It's, uh, it's yeah, did all 13. Point ten, uh, but it's uh, going through that. I don't think it's you could have made our bond stronger throughout it because of just everything going on. And yeah, it's uh, it's. I want to th- and I also want to thank her friends for being around her. Um, people don't understand. Like a lot of people don't understand. Yeah, it's it's tough on the person who has it, but it's harder on the spouse because you you're helpless. You're sitting there without any way of helping, without any way of fixing anything. So I want to thank a lot of these guys. Their wives reached out to Christy, and that was. Um, I think that probably helped more than anything with her. All right. That was Liam Hendricks a couple days ago at Guaranteed Rate Field. Um, if you didn't hear it live, played you a good chunk there. Some good stuff, some some emotional stuff, and it, it's all good news because he's back on the baseball diamond. Sox fans, join us for Miller Lite Baseball and Brews starting at only $19. This offer includes one ticket and two beers to new and expanded seating locations across the ballpark. Must be 21 and over with a valid ID to purchase tickets, visit whitesocks.com slash brews. So that was Liam Hendricks. Next up, the director of youth services for the White Sox, Michael Huff. We'll talk about youth baseball coming up this summer and the White Sox play on the field as well. Stay tuned. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Keyshawn J. Will and Max weekdays at 5 a.m. ESPN Chicago. Back on White Sox Weekly, Jesse Rogers with you. Join us at the ballpark on Saturday, May 20th, as the White Sox take on the Kansas City Royals. The first 20,000 fans will receive a White Sox track jacket presented by Xfinity. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. Back with you here, White Sox Weekly. We'll talk to Mike Huff in just a moment. One game has gone final that involves an AL Central team, and that is the Detroit Tigers. They beat the St. Louis Cardinals 6-5 to in 10 innings. All of a sudden, Detroit is just a couple games under 500, 15 and 17. I feel like ever since Javi Baez forgot how many outs there were on the base pass, that woke up the whole team. And they've played some pretty good baseball, 15 and 17 for the Detroit Tigers. And I saw Spencer Torkelson make a hell of a play. The runner was on second in the 10th inning. And the batter leading off the inning pulled the ball to the right side, hard hit ball to the first baseman. And he fired to third to get the runner out there, and that really uh, set up the rest of the inning for Detroit as they won 6-5. to five. That was a great play by Torkelson. You rarely see a guy, a first baseman, throw to third. Let's. I want to ask Mike Huff right off the bat. I mean, what a, what a play that was because, Mike, I don't see many first basemen throw, throw out a runner from second to third leading off an inning like that. That's a hell of a heads-up play, isn't it, by Spencer Torkelson? I would totally agree, Jess. That, that's an incredible play, and – Typically, you don't have a first baseman that's, A, that agile enough, or, B, that forward-thinking that, again, if the ball's hit to me this way, what am I doing it with my body? Am I going to second, or am I now going to go to third because I know I've got no chance to get back to the base for a double play, and I have a pitcher who might be falling off the mound to third base, so he has no chance. So I think just the, the pre-thinking of, what are the situations that the ball's hit to me in different directions? Like you said, very unique and, and a heck of a play, and you're right. Detroit is playing pretty good baseball. 
it's such a good example as we're talking to Mike Huff, director of youth baseball for the White Sox, for young players. You said it, the pre-thinking, the prep before the pitch is thrown. When I coached my son and, and teams that he was on, I tried to drill that. Think about – this is how the game isn't boring for – play. you know, it can be boring for the, for the parents watching, but for the players on the field, if you're th- – constantly thinking it's not a boring game right because before the play you have to think if it's hit to my left if it's hit to my right if it's hit right at me if it's hit soft if it's hit hard and there's no doubt in my mind Spencer Torkelson was thinking exactly that if it's hit hard in this area I'm going to third base with it and it wasn't yeah. even the easiest uh, of plays I don't know if you saw it but it, it was a ground ball you know he had to turn and make the throw to third there's no doubt that was preparation yeah, I was, I was just going to say, when uh, my years with the White Sox, um, a little bit with the Blue Jays, but more with the White Sox, with Lance typically in center and, and, and Tim Raines or myself or, you know, like a Danny Pasquale, even a Sammy Sosa in 91, I mean, we were constantly saying to each other between pitches, you know, ground ball, we're going here, fly ball, we're going here, ball in front, we're doing this, ball behind us, we're doing that, um, to the point that we would be talking between pitches even. And, again, if, if an Alex Fernandez was just on, even if there were reports that were playing the guy straight up, if he's strike one, strike two, Lance is giving me a whistle like, hey, I, I'm going over this way. I need you to follow me because Alex is just overwhelming these guys. So, to your point, what we try to teach our kids that are playing on our travel teams, the elite stuff, what we try to work with the coaches, with the little leagues when we're out doing instruction that way is, is again, make these kids understand that they should never just be standing around. They should always be communicating with each other. They should always be thinking in the game so that, A, it keeps them involved as much as, as the coaches. Absolutely. My daughter plays softball, and I, 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 I can only imagine if she's thinking about TikTok or is she thinking about the next play. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I'm trying to get her to think softball 24-7, or at least when she's on the field. Visiting with Mike Huff, Director of Youth Baseball for the White Sox. All right, parents, you can go to whitesox.com slash play. Click on the campus icon to find the interactive map that will show you where a youth camp is near you. So tell me more about the youth, camp, youth camps. Uh, school is almost out. We're not quite there, Mike, but the camps will start up as soon as the summer hits. Tell me more about it. Yeah, exactly. Starting the second week in June, going through the third week in August, we're going to be in 54 camps, about 45 locations, a couple of locations because they sell out so quickly. We do two camps there, but it's a four day event, uh, either mornings or afternoons, only $159. Uh, the kids are going to get hats, shirts, whole bunch of white tchotchke stuff. They're also going to get some tickets to a game. And what we try to do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday is progressively build on a lot of the very basics, absolutes. So even if you're a Cub fan, you know, you you can bring your kid out there. We'll still teach them. Um, But from Monday, just basic ground balls, fly balls, throwing, catching, hitting, to then Tuesday, getting a little bit layer down in the onion, to then Wednesday, a little bit more if the kids are demonstrating they understand what we've been doing Monday, Tuesday. And Wednesday we start to incorporate some games. And then Thursday is is pretty minimal instruction and almost exclusively we do a baseball Olympics and we have games and the kids, you know, all seem to have a blast and a big smile on their face by the time they're leaving. That's awesome. So it's all within a four-day period. You do all of this. And I, I, I bet kids come away with that um, thinking, okay, Look, 
I know I'm not going to turn into a, a major league baseball player in four days, but just a complete better understanding of how to go about their business to get better throughout the rest of the summer. Exactly right. And I would add to that, I cannot tell you how many parents come back on Thursdays or Wednesdays and just say thank you because we we almost expect the kids not almost we do we have the kids doing homework each night we have them going home taking a picture or or drawing a picture of their favorite player favorite number favorite team we've got them thinking when they're away from the field about baseball stuff but then we also challenge especially the older kids again just five through 12 year olds but usually those 10 11 12s we're challenging them to teach their parents what they've been taught and if they do and they come back here's a pack of baseball cards um, and obviously one of the neat things being the White Sox, we get a lot of baseball cards, so we can hand out a whole lot of cards to the kids at the, at the camps. But by Wednesday, Thursday, when the parents are dropping them off, picking them up, I, I hear more and more of the parents saying thank you that, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't realize they were teaching their kid how to throw a baseball the wrong way and that their kid right. was teasing them for, for not doing it the right way. And that, again, just huge smile on my face. And, mm. and when we see these kids and these families coming to a game, it's always fun to see them up in the kid zone or around in the outfield. Visiting with Mike Huff, director of youth baseball for the White Sox and former player. Now I'm going to put you on the spot, Mike. The White Sox are 11 and 22. There are probably some things you're teaching the kids that the Major League Baseball team can, can learn from. I, I think that you know, we talk about controllables and non-controllables, like there's things out of your control sometimes, but I feel like fundamentals on defense is something even a you know, major league baseball player can't control. And I'd like to see the White Sox tighten up defensively where they can. You can't ask someone to do something they can't do, but that I feel like is a little bit controllable. I, am, am I off base there? Is that something you'd like to see watching some of these games? Like let's tighten up that area because we know hitting is, you know, comes and goes, but good defense can always last and, and get you get you far if you, if you play it well. No, I think you're singing to the choir to a guy who got to play seven years in the majors, primarily because of his defensive prowess, not offensive prowess. Um, and, and again, what we try to teach the kids, and just as you're talking about, the defense is all a mental component. Are you mentally in the game? You just went 0 for 4, but now at the eighth inning, are you taking a hit away from the other team? Are you thinking ahead to make sure you turn a double play on any type of situations, or are you still thinking about the line drive with guys on second and third two outs that didn't bring anybody in, or the strikeout that obviously was a ball, but you got called out on strikes? So, you know, as you said, there are certain parts of the game that you can control, and defense is one of those, and the mental approach is one of those. sometimes a pitcher just throws a great slider. Sometimes you see something out of his hand and you swear it's one pitch, and by the time you start swinging it, now it's moving and and it's a double play instead of a sack fly. I mean, those things sometimes are out of your control, but the defense, yeah, and I I would agree. I I think the thing that's been frustrating for me, I know talking to some of my coaches, are when the White Sox have that mental lapse or or that mental breakdown that it kind of frustrates us, um, A, as a fan, be being an employee of the White Sox, but see, because we know the next practice we go to, there's going to be kids and parents asking us, don't you teach us something different than what we just <laughs> saw on TV? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well said, Mike. Um, before I let you go, and I'll give a plug to the website again in a moment here. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, tell me, tell me about your thoughts as you watch Liam Hendricks return to baseball. I mean, you have a different perspective than, than myself and other fans. Uh, it's one thing to, to recover from anything from Tommy John to a 
you know, a, a twisted ankle, right? I mean, that's different. But the uncertainty of, of cancer uh, in terms of your, your everyday life, you know, you want to live your life and live a long life. Uh, and then also getting back into baseball shape so quickly. I just, it's mind boggling what he went through. I want to get a former player's perspective on, on Liam's return. Yeah, I, I think mind-boggling is a great expression. You, you can you can focus mentally on beating a disease, something as challenging as a leukemia or a cancer, but to combine that with keeping your body in that type of top physical condition, going through that and being able in such a short period of time to actually go out and perform at a AAA level, we know he's going to be in the majors relatively quickly, it is it's such a wonderful story on so many different levels that, again, I hope most people can take a step back and, and appreciate this. Uh, I think Leon said something very cute that when he went out to pitch in Charlotte, that he goes out and he tries to pitch angry. And as he got on the mound and was announced, <laughs> both teams like stood up and, and applauded him for what he's doing. And he's like looking at the opposition like, don't be nice. Don't be <laughs> clapping for me. I need to get you out, and I want to be angry at you. And so he has to now go through things mentally that are different than he's ever gone through before. And, again, as we all know, we hear the story that the person that's going through the cancer, they sometimes can manage the whole process better because they're doing it. It's all the support people, the wife, the kids, the parents, that as much as they can give support, that's it's they really have no control on this. So I love how he gives his wife so much credit, and uh, I think it's going to be so exciting for the White Sox uh, when he comes back. And, and I think that, you know, the way they're starting to play now, you know, again, hoping that we get healthier, hoping that, you know, the mental component is there. But I think when he comes back, that could be the boost that, you know, we may see a, a 10-0 run instead of an 0-10 run. <laughs> well said. I mean, the emotional lift is is, is going to be huge. But just just think about the bullpen. It, it, it yeah. changes the dynamic back there. Of course, he has to perform at that high level, and I know he expects that he will be. Mike Huff, uh, Director of Youth Baseball for the White Sox. People can go to whitesox.com slash play. And again, click on the camps icon, find the interactive map. There are camps all over the place, including uh, in the city, downtown, and you'll find the camp near you and, and sign up 159 bucks for four days of great instruction. Mike, we wish you a great, great productive summer. Thank you, Jess. Have a good one yourself. All right. Talk to you soon. That's Mike Huff right here on White Sox Weekly. Final segment or two coming up uh, before the pregame show. I'll have the pregame for you. White Sox and Reds. First pitch at 540. Connor McKnight, Darren Jackson on the call. I've got the pregame show for you in about 15 minutes. Stay tuned. This is White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino, White Sox Radio Network. White Sox Weekly Saturdays on ESPN Chicago. We're back on White Sox Weekly. Jesse Rogers sitting in for Connor McKnight. He's got the play-by-play. He'll be back next Saturday for White Sox Weekly. We do it two hours before every game, every Saturday in season. One hour out of season. But uh, So right now it's two hours every Saturday before the pregame show, which uh, this week starts at 5. We've got first pitch at 540. Darren Jackson alongside Connor McKnight. Hey, students, it's easier than ever to get your friends together for a White Sox game. Sign up for student steal alerts and get exclusive access to lower-level ticket offers starting at just $9. For more information, visit whitesox.com slash student or text student to 244-769. 
one final segment here, and I want to get to something positive that's been going on in the White Sox bullpen because not a lot has gone right down there. Gregory Santos is a newcomer, off to a good start. Now, some of the outlying numbers, a little little scary. He's pitched 16 innings, given up 19 hits and five walks. That's a whip of 1.44. That's not great. You don't want to see uh, that trend continue. But within those 16 innings, he struck out 17, and that's what you need late inning ability to strike out players. Here's Pedro Grafal on Gregory Santos. You know, we acquired him because um, we thought that there was the possibility of, of a really good sinker at high velocity, right? And that was the focus in spring training. And that credit goes to him for, for believing in it and to Ethan and, and Haas for uh, and to our to our guys up top, identifying a guy that with a power arm that was probably throwing sixty percent sliders, you know, and was throwing four seam fastballs, and you know, so when you do something like that, you obviously can't just you know he makes our team. You obviously can't get him to the big leagues here and just throw him in leverage. So there's a development process here in the big leagues too, you know, and he and he's a part of it, and he's still developing. Um, so, but the last four or five outings, I mean, that, that sinker is starting to, is starting to play and it's starting to play at high velocity. And, uh, and he's got that slider that he throws for strikes, which and the reason he throws for strikes is he threw it probably 60% of the time, you know, in other places. So um, he's becoming a guy, you know, he's becoming a guy, but he's developing too. You know, there's a lot of things he's got to work on, you know, and today he got tested, you know, t- tested, um, with his PFPs, he got you know. So it's everything is a it's it's a work in progress with him. But he's starting to pitch more leverage. Absolutely, you know, if his sinker plays like that and he can throw a slider for strikes, I don't see why we we won't we don't pitch him in leverage. I'm comfortable with him in leverage. They need to find another leverage guy, no doubt about it. At least until Liam Hendricks comes back. I mentioned that 1.44 WHIP, little high, but his ERA 1.62 is a little low. So he's he's been stranding runners. That's fine. He's got a live arm. I think, I think he's a guy that will pitch in, in more high leverage. All right, that's going to do it for White Sox Weekly. I want to thank you for listening. Thanks to Charlie Bevins, Kevin Zeback, and our executive producer of White Sox Baseball, Brendan Riley, for producing today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back in about four minutes for the official pregame show as the White Sox take on the Reds. You've been listening to White Sox Weekly right here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Radio Network.